0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. It's a brisk uh, January the nineteenth. Yeah, 2020, and this is uh, this is Brother Neil filling in for David, who is not able to be with us today. Is just not feeling well enough to uh, tackle such a task as this. So we will we hope uh and wish him the best uh in his recovery from some of his problems. He'll be back with us. But we'll continue on in uh the writing of Acts. We've been spending a great deal of time in chapter 19 uh or I mean chapter 20 actually. Uh chapter 20, and I'm going to start up about verse 29, because just to go over to remind you that when uh, the apostle um, went, he sailed by um, uh, Ephesus, and, and they pulled in, and then he called for the elders to come down from the the church in Ephesus, probably just not to go into the city once again, um, had a little, a little more of a private meeting. And I, I think the the encounter is um, worth repeating. And then we'll get into chapter 21 here this morning, uh, last part of the lesson. <clears throat> so the apostle Paul, I'm reading from the American Standard, um, where this is part of the the, uh, the physician Luke writes here. I know that after my departing. Grievous wolves shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Now that's what the apostle Paul is telling the bishops, as my translation says, the elders of the church. Now he had just encouraged them in verse 28 to take heed unto themselves and to the flock. That's the congregation in which the Holy Spirit hath made you bishops, that is, overseers. Um, And their job is to feed the church of the Lord, which he purchased with his own blood. So right after that, he brings in the um, frightening thought about grievous wolves shall enter among you, not sparing the flock. And then he follows with verse 30, And from among your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. I, I can't help but just have my mind flood with what the meaning of that means you know we live in in a time and period where we look back at um, the the purity of the apostolic message for the congregation that had been given in Ephesus that was as we call the infant church but in many ways it was the strongest because it had the truth but as time went on and not a long time other things come in, creep in, seep in, sneak in, however you want to. And they, uh, those things that come in do not spare the flock. Matter of fact, they attack the flock. And even from among the own, their own eldership, if you will, some will draw away disciples after themselves. Now, if you have studied at all any church history, as it's known, Christian church history, from the first century, you'll find that this statement is uh, definitely a prophetic statement that had a fulfillment that is shocking Um, and saddening. And, and that's one of the things I. That's one of the reasons I think when we get down to the end of this chapter that these men are so incredibly sad. Paul is loaded on them quite, uh, quite a uh, a message. Uh, so just think about all the things that have come into um, the Christendom, if you will, yeah. since. This time, um, it's, it is, it's tragic. And I spend basically most of my time dealing with trying to restore, or bring back, eliminate the things that were added, put back the things that were taken away, reducing it down to exactly as the apostles have ordained through the will of Christ, for the assembly. Now that's the goal. I, I know it's not the typical goal. It's not, the, it's not what is normally thought of in an ordination or that sort of thing. But the old time ordinations had very much the same thought, to preserve the truth. So let's go on and, and read the rest of this. In verse 31, Wherefore, Watch yourselves, remembering that by a space of three years I ceased not to admonish everyone night and day with tears. And now I commend to you God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all them that are sanctified. I covet no man's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands of mine ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. If all things I gave you, in all things, rather, I gave you an example that so laboring you ought to help the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive and when he had thus spoken all of these things that he has said here he knelt down and prayed with them all and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all for the word which he had spoken that they should behold his face no more and they brought him on his way Unto the ship. So, how many times can we read that and not feel the same tug at our heartstrings for the men that are sending Paul off? <clears throat> you know, we know this is an apostle of Christ because if he was a typical uh, 21st century church planter. He would not have entered in with uh, so much of this negative comments, according to the the people there. Um, you know that would have been that's considered a, a downer. You know you can't do that. That's negative. Uh, so that's how we know that this actually is um, because this is the truth of the matter. And by the way. These sort of things still happen today, in case you're wondering. (laughs) I don't think you are because you already know. You already know that.
2: Yeah, it isn't even so much
1: where the church
2: is really the presence now. The church has no presence in like society now. The presence is held by famous talkers and people, you know, Billy Graham, the most recognizable uh, name in Christian, quote-unquote, churches. And that's, you know, even he said that the superstars, like he is, is not the best thing. I think he wised up enough to know that. But That's the way it is now. People don't, as far as the church go, what's that? There's a lot of churches. Yeah. It's the buildings. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, the edifice. Well, personalities are always with us. Um, In my studies in 1 Corinthians, we'll find that personalities, the apostle had to deal with the personalities in the church then. There's always going to be uh, those that are known, the speakers. Uh, It doesn't mean that they're soliciting people to follow them as they would the Lord um uh, the apostle Paul says in first corinthians uh, chapter eleven the verse one i think uh imitate me as I imitate the lord now that that i think uh, that's good teaching, and there's nothing wrong with that um, but unfortunately um drawing away disciples after themselves that that of course we we have another problem so People have a, an, extra, uh, an extraordinary ability to uh, build a hobby horse, and then they want everybody to get on there with them.
0: Well, and that's 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 the big crux of the issue is the the gifts that people have, and that's what we've been reading in First Peter is that yeah. you make good use of those gifts, those talents you have, all for all for and you know through the Lord.
1: And and that was the admonition admonition of the apostles always. To use those gifts, because Christians um, we're gifted today, but we're not gifted with the miraculous gifts, and that's not really what he's talking about. Although it would include that in the first century, but those gifts are not to build a person's reputation, but to edify the church and to promote the gospel. Why do you think the apostles had the abilities they did? Uh, it was necessary to uh, proclaim the gospel and to prove to the, uh, those that were mostly the idolaters and the others that the, the God of heaven was the, was the power and the force and the truth. <clears throat> so uh, not that everyone believed it. You know, if miracles were, were all it took to convert people and turn them towards God then we'd have a world full of godly people there's been a lot of miracles and and uh, the greatest miracle that ever the greatest miracle worker ever was Jesus of Nazareth and he ended up on a roman cross now why didn't the people rush to save the miracle worker so we have to understand that miracles have a place, but they certainly are not the catalyst to truth or or, or showing uh, anything in, in a special way. They're, they're used um, very carefully by God uh, through his instruments, whether it be his son or the apostles or others that were gifted. But these men... Here in this church in Ephesus, there were supernatural gifts within the church. There was many things going on, and it was quite, quite a, uh, uh, quite a a task to keep all these things in in order. Uh, That that's why we have the issue of order in the church, and the apostles or the uh, elders are responsible for that order to be maintained. Uh, that's why we have that. So we find that some of the elders would be would go astray, and Paul was warning them because that may have come at a very quite a shock to the people when it actually happened. Um, and it's devastating to the congregation. But nonetheless, he goes on to commend them about. Their inheritance and their sanctification. Uh, all of that, all of that he did right after these harsh words, right after these horrifying words. He says, Wherefore watch ye and remember. You see, um, he put them on their guard, if you will. It should have been a real wake up call to some of them. It's hard to say, we don't know the minds and hearts of everyone that was there that day. But I know that for some of them, maybe, that was the one of the biggest, big issues as far as the sadness goes. Um, but the idea that Paul was gone, that meant, you know, it was kind of, if you've ever had uh, someone who was uh, uh, quite a mentor to you or a friend in the church when you know that they'll be no, there no more, that's, a, that's an emotional feeling. And it's a real experience, an experience that we go through um, many times if we live any number of years uh, within the church. It happens um, over and over, but that's, that's the way of man. I mean, we don't live forever, and sometimes we can't even live where we're living and we have to move. And that's just almost the same thing. So he was brought down to that ship. I suppose that as we read this encounter of the uh, elders from Ephesus with the apostle, you know, it's one of the only uh, real cases that we have in the New Testament about this happening. And I think it's important for us to know everything the apostle said and and think about how the elders must have felt about it. But you know he, he was teaching them even in the words he's he's saying, he's reminding them that the Lord purchased the church with his own blood. You know, put things in perspective, the head of the church. Yet these bishops are given great responsibility um, to the Lord to care for the flock. That is, as the Christians are called, sheep, the flock, the assembly, those belonging to Christ. It's, uh, it, it's an incredible writing, uh, and an incredible uh, encounter, encounter that, that they went through. And as David said, I think maybe last week, if you go to Ephesus now, go to Ephesus and try to find the 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 uh, the assembly. Go there and try to find um, an iota of faith. There may be some, uh, and there probably are some some work going on there. You never know, unless you have an have uh, some idea or heard about it. <clears throat> kind of like in Jerusalem too, but you know, in in Jerusalem you can't uh, you can't preach the gospel in in Jerusalem lawfully. It's unlawful to preach the gospel of Christ. Uh, so you have to have special permission from the government to have an assembly area. Uh, it, it's not out in the open. You can't have a rally or that sort of thing. That's just their laws. Remember that they're not. That's not America. Uh, that is that is the Jewish community, and their religious uh, their religion is part of their government. So I think that's understandable. It's not very good, but it's understandable. Nonetheless, the word of God, just as in the time of Paul. Because uh, he was forbidden to speak too, wasn't he? In many places, he still spoke, and there were still converts. So, in anything, any other ideas about this, or this,
0: this makes me think a lot about when uh, you know Christ got down and was washing the the his disciples at the time their feet, yeah. and the concept of. Uh, of meeting the needs of other people and getting to, doing a really dirty job but it was a necessary job I mean and just the kind of friendship that he established with those people the way he he touched their hearts the way that he he met met everything that, that he could for them emotionally and and you know just full, full full-hearted um everything he could do and uh, yeah, that's right
2: that makes me think about that. There's, That's
0: right. there's,
2: there's, there's different kinds, you know, of teaching, and that kind of teaching teaches humility. So Neil just said it earlier. When we've got these world religious leaders, and they're anything but humble. they they, it's through me. I got the goods. You got to come get it. And you know, the disciples, the you know, apostles, and Paul, they always went the other way on that. Uh, how about when, when when, in the times that man has met spiritual beings, you know, and what they did? They were so physically, they were so emotionally over, overwhelmed at the presence of these creatures that they fell down on their face. They were frozen with fear. That's how overwhelming it was. And they always said the same thing. Get up. Don't worship me. Only worship God. Mm-hmm. And that that's at the base of, of that for me is you know, at some point, we've got to stop learning and compiling and start acting. Mm-hmm. And these elders, it was showtime for them. It was showtime. You guys, all right, you're not going to see me. I'm not going to be you know, alive anymore, likely. Time for you to go. You got your tools? Use them.
1: So this, this passage has a way of really causing a lot of deep thinking, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, and I think that's that's the point. Um, you know, uh, the Jesus washed the apostles' feet, and then he told them that they needed to do that to each other. So he set the, the he set the whole teaching. It's not about clean feet; it's about how they look at other people. You know, and today we have foot-washing now is terms of membership for some groups.
0: Um,
1: So you see how these things work. They miss the point, you know. So, and that's not the Lord's fault, and I don't believe the apostles missed the point. But this is just the way that we should live and think about each other, I think. So... um, as he says, in all things, I gave you an example, and and I think that's that's it. The apostolic example is 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 there for us. Their teaching is there for us, but we need to also give and leave an example to those uh, around us. I, I think that's just the way it should be, and, and should be looked at, of course. Um, and then we have things that we've heard all our life about. It's more blessed to give than receive, and and uh, we know this, and yet we live in a world of receivers. Um, they much rather receive, but sometimes <laughs> that's out of necessity. That's
2: a great point.
1: Yeah. Well, um, all of this is to strengthen the church. Everything Paul said here to the elders would have strengthened and made the position of the church and the backbone of the church stronger and better equipped. Uh, All those, you know, he spent, what, two and a half years there teaching. Uh, Talk about a good opportunity. And even then... After all that time with the Apostle, we still had elders drawing away the brethren on, on a um, one sort of doctrine or another.
0: Yes.
1: And today, we look for the church in Ephesus, and we find nothing but an overview of uh, the Muslim religion in the whole country. So times... Times have a way of doing that, and yet the faith is still with us. The apostle continues on in chapter 21. Let's just look at a few of the verses here. And when it came to pass that we were parted from them and had set sail, we came with a straight course unto two coos, and the next day to roads, and from thence to uh, Patara. And by the way, that's the first verse. Uh, this is they're just going on a southerly route towards the east, around Asia Minor. There, uh, down from the place they stopped at Ephesus, which was north of there, down along through the islands. There's many islands all along down through there. And they're stopping in certain places. This kind of reminds me of a bus. Uh, You know, you've got uh, buses that are direct, express, you know, from one city to the next. But a lot of buses stop at every town because there's people getting on and off. And those buses are, uh, if if you're uh, a very impatient person, that's not the kind of bus you want to be on. Because you're doing a lot of stopping. And a lot of folks coming in and out. Isn't it also like a, a trail of breadcrumbs?
0: I mean, for the... Yeah. To help yeah. Le- legitify... You know, it's legitimate. These places are real. And he's documented in being in these places at this time.
1: They are. We have we've hear a lot about roads, and e- even today. Um, yeah, in... in it's just, I mean, I'd have loved to have been on the, on the ship and listened to the conversation amongst uh, Paul and, and, uh, and Luke and those others traveling with him. Um, so in verse 2, And having found a ship crossed, crossing over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard. So now they're changing ships. And we have to understand these ships were—they were transportation in 2,000 years ago. Like I said, it's like our buses or airplanes. I guess uh, I think of buses because it's more of the same speed. Um, and that's just what's going. They they stopped and they found a ship going right where they wanted to go, or cutting across, saving a little time, if you will, crossing over into Phoenicia. We went aboard and set sail. And when we had come in sight of Cyprus, and we know that as an island, right? Leaving it on the left hand, we sailed unto Syria. So they swung out, and Cyprus was on their left hand, which meant they were south of Cyprus. They had went more out into the Mediterranean, heading towards uh, Syria that's the location and landed at Tyre so uh, there the ship was to unladen her burden so there was a lot of freight if you will and things of that sort that was being unladen there in Tyre which was a, a very well known seaport in that area and As normally happens, when we look at verse 4, we find this. And having found the disciples, we tarried there seven days, and these said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not set foot in Jerusalem. All right. Now let's think about this a little bit. They're in Tyre, but apparently there was already an assembly of brethren in Tyre by this time. We know that because um, it had happened beforehand. Um, but what what was the issue? They, they tarried there seven days. They wanted to spend a whole week there before they, they moved on, uh, probably just to spend time with the brethren there uh, normally, when they, they stop, they always try to. I've noticed in the time time here, as we found in uh, chapter 20, um, when they uh, went to oh, let's see, Troas, uh, they they spent seven days and then they moved on. They, they always spend enough time to have the Lord's Day there with the brethren. So whenever the, you know, they can't control when the ship will leave and depart, but they try to work this in uh, to get all the brethren together probably uh, for the assembly on the on the Lord's Day, which is the first day of the week, as we know. But while they were there, there were those there, within the the church there, that said to Paul, through the Spirit. Now, now, who would they have been? The disciples
0: there, I think.
1: Yeah, they they would have been the the people of the church. But see, we're talking about certain gifts. Okay. Well, these these were prophets within the church, um, those that were speaking um, from God to the apostle here, and for everyone to hear, that he should not set foot in Jerusalem. Well, that's not going to keep him from going there, but the thing is, Paul was being warned that it wasn't going to be um, a pleasant encounter all the way around. And, And even later on, we find that Uh, He's warned again um, later on in this chapter. So, something was going to happen in Jerusalem to the Apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, this is a very important chapter because within it we find a key that uh, of the fact that the idea of Judaism, the law, and the worship of the Jews was in fact still functioning one hundred percent, even though the church had been established um, and this is a, this is a debatable subject here. A lot of folks have uh, the law being done away with um, well, some of them go clear back to John the Baptist. I don't know how they they work that out, but they do. Um, because John is such a charismatic individual, you know. Uh, but that wasn't his job. <laughs> he was the forerunner of Christ. He, he cut, um, cut the path straight and made a, uh, an entrance and a uh, proclamation concerning the Messiah and the coming of the Messiah and what he was going to do. But then we move on. Well, when did it happen then? Um, was it the cross? Um, but we know if we study and really look at it that the cross is where the sin issue was dealt with. We see nothing about covenant change on, on the cross. What did Jesus say to the uh, two men, one on one side and one on the other? Today,
2: the paradise.
1: yeah, he said to the one man, the one that was... Had stopped questioning him and had confessed that he was who he was. And that's he said, right.
2: "They've done nothing wrong." Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: He said, "Today you will be with me in paradise." Well, you see, paradise—the whole situation of death on the cross and death at that time was not the death that was not the issue that we have now within the church age. Uh, that was the the death of the Jewish covenant people and they went to the abode of the dead where there was two chambers. Um, The chamber of punishment and then the bosom of Abraham where the righteous dead. And that's where this man would go. And as we know, of course, the spirit of Christ also went there. That's another subject. But nonetheless, Uh, That's found in this chapter, and it's quite a a revelation. Um, It's quite a teaching because uh, many people do not understand that the law was in place until God took it away. As prophesied through the Old Testament, it would happen after the Messiah had come, and then the day of the Lord, the culmination of the ages, if you will, A.D. 70, uh, and, and the task took from around A.D. 66 to eighty seventy, 70, or even on to A.D. 73. The year isn't important. What is important is that all things of the Jewish economy, temple worship, um, the covenant all, was done away for the Jews at that time and for anyone, but only at that time.
0: Left to them desolate.
1: That's right. Your house is left to you desolate, is what Jesus said to the Jews uh, just just before uh, he went into Jerusalem for the final week. And uh, that word desolate, by the way, in Matthew 23, it doesn't just mean an empty house. There is a word for empty house, but the word desolate in the Greek in that particular verse means that you will be expelled from your home and it will be given to your enemy. Uh, and that that's a whole other thought, isn't it? You see, that isn't always the case. But in their case, it was the case. Um, very interesting. Now, I'm going to pause here in verse 4 and we'll move on from that if David uh, wants to move on from there, whatever he has. But I don't want to get any deeper into this. But verse 4 again, And having found the disciples, we tarried there seven days, and these said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not set for foot in Jerusalem. All right? Um, And then we know, and then as we read through this chapter, we're going to find out. Uh, what happened in Jerusalem. And as I said, it's a it's a real teaching thing for us today because, unfortunately, I was not taught this as a young man in the church. I wish I had. Um, you know, some of this is considered just history or just semantics of some kind or just uh, chronology. But, you know, unless you have the real history, the real chronology and the real all the facts, in a line that you can understand it sometimes you don't really understand what's happening if we look at this closely we will find what's happening and what's going to happen in jerusalem to the apostle paul and what it's going to bring to the church um, in the rest of the world at that time Uh, because we know from that encounter paul goes to rome Um, and that's quite an issue So we will let off there today. Hopefully it's been useful to you this day. And uh, we bid you farewell in the name of the Lord until we meet again. Amen.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?